The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. There were two versions of events for the night Praveen went missing. One that Gage was telling the police, and the other that Praveen's autopsy and phone records were revealing. And then, of course, there were the accounts of the evening from Praveen's friends, who were with him at the party. All these pieces put together tell the story of what actually occurred. Praveen had two sets of injuries with Margolis's report, because one set of injury already started to show signs of healing. So that's why I believe Praveen was hit right in front of the house where Gage was, because Praveen was walking to sticks. They were at two different parties. So Praveen left, he was walking to sticks. Gage was at four or five on the opposite side couple blocks down. See, 606 and 405, there has to be two blocks, right? So Gage was there. You're listening to Speaking of Crime with your hosts, Gia and John. The encounter with the state trooper on February 13, 2014, lasted nine minutes. According to the incident report that was filed, the state trooper reported that at 12.33 a.m. that night, he was on Route 13, just east of Giant City Road, when he encountered a dark-colored pickup truck parked on the south shoulder with its hazard lights on. He pulled up behind the truck and observed a male outside the vehicle on the passenger side and told the driver to get back into his vehicle. In the report, the state trooper said this, I approached the driver and asked if everything was okay. The driver stated he was okay and I asked for identification. The driver handed me his Illinois driver's license, which identified him as Gage Bethune. The police report goes on to say that, Gage stated he was headed home when he observed a black male walking eastbound on Route 13. Gage asked if the pedestrian needed a ride and the pedestrian said yes. When the pedestrian got in the truck, Gage stated he showed the pedestrian his wallet with some cash in it and stated, I can take you anywhere, however, I need some money for gas. Gage stated the passenger punched him in the face, jumped out of the truck and ran south into the woods. Gage stated he ran after the pedestrian but was not able to locate him. But Gage's statement in the police incident report conflicts with what he told the Carbondale police later on. In that version of his story, he said he gave Praveen a ride from a party. The Illinois State Trooper reported that he checked the tree line of the woods before leaving the scene, but didn't see anyone. Monica Zukas had Praveen's friends Dakota, Rachel, and another Rachel on her show. They had gotten to know Praveen well while attending college with him. 
This is what they had to say. This is Reality Check with Monica Zukas. Monica wants to take a walk in your shoes. Everyone has a story. She wants to hear it, and she wants to share it. Talking to locals from all walks of life. I have with me this evening Dakota and Rachel and their other friend Rachel. And I'm going to start with you, Dakota, and just ask you a little bit about when did you meet Praven? Um, I met him last year. He lived on our floor. And so for the last, what, year and a half or so, like, was, was he a sophomore this year? Yeah, college? this is his sophomore year. We met him his fresh, uh, freshman year. And like over the last year and a half or whatever, you came to know him pretty well. Yeah, we all got like super close because we all lived on the same floor. All three of us. Well, four of us. Rachel. Yeah, Rachel. And Rachel. When did you meet Craven? We met him the first day he moved in because we needed help um, bunking our beds. And all the boys on our floor offered to help. So he got recruited to help you guys do that? Yeah, I had, um, our friend Nate dragged him in, him and Ash. And that was the first day, uh, first time we met him. Were you there too? No, <laughs> I didn't move in until like uh, the day or two after. But um, when I moved in, a bunch of the boys came and helped like carry my stuff up too. And they were introducing me to all the people that they had met. So um, yeah, that's when I met him when I moved in too. So you guys were college kids you still are college kids it's hard for me to get back in that mindset because i've been out for so long but was praven somebody you saw like on a monthly basis on a week weekly basis like in the last year and a half or so how close did you get with him and how often did you see him dakota um we literally saw him on a daily basis probably every hour because he was always barging into our room like he lived there (laughs) so i mean yeah we saw him pretty often and we Got pretty close to him. I mean, like, we're basically a family. He's our family. So you you know what he usually does do and what he usually does not do. Yeah, I mean, we've known him a year and a half now. We've gotten to know him pretty well. So whenever you hear all these ridiculous rumors frying around, like people saying, oh, well, he was probably just so ridiculously or whacked out on drugs or drunk that night. I mean, whatever. Um, It kind of upsets me to hear people like talk badly about one of my best friends like that I mean you get to know people through like a personal level and then you get to know people through like a social level and like what everyone else says about them and I feel like a lot of people don't really know who Praven is as a person they're just judging him based off of things that are in like the media and the news and things like that and assumptions that people are making so it kind of hurts to think that people think that way of one of your good friends because you know that to not be true oh yeah definitely if I came up to you and said, hey, I heard uh, Praven was a drug dealer, what would you say to me? I would say I don't believe that for a second. So usually, and you guys were laughing because you're like, if he wasn't here, he was here or he was here. Like usually on a daily basis, what was Praven doing? Like on a daily basis, what was his usual schedule? <laughs> sleeping, <laughs> eating, or <laughs> the rec, playing basketball at the rec. If he wasn't sleeping, he was eating. If he wasn't eating, he was at the rec playing basketball or at class. And he was usually with, you know... Nate Ash and Nash. Ash and Nate, yep. And those were his two best friends, and Ash is his cousin, right? I mean, somebody yeah. that he's grown up with and known his whole life. Yeah. Okay, I want to start by getting to the night in question. The night in question was February 12th, a Wednesday night, February 12th, into Thursday morning, February 13th. And you guys know a lot of the answers that the whole world is waiting to hear because none of us were there. 
whenever your moms or whenever you're, you know, far away or a college student at another campus, you just hear things. And it's hard for me even to hear people say, oh, well, you know, he got really drunk and ran into the woods. Like at every single one of you, when I met with you the other night, I was like, well, I mean, is there a chance like maybe you guys didn't really know him that good? Or maybe he just like got freaked out and ran into the woods and you guys were looking at me like, you idiot. No, like this is our friend. We know what he does. And I talked to a friend of mine this morning that I pass every day on Route 37 because she's on the way to work and I'm on the way to take my son to school every single day. I know what she does every day. I know that she does it every day because I see her every day. And if there was a day that they said, hey, your friend was headed east all the way over there, like in Carterville or something, I would know something is wrong because I know her routine. And is that, do you girls feel like you knew uh, Praven good enough to know his routine, so to speak? Um. Yeah, well, I... We obviously all lived on the same floor last year. And then this year he lived like basically like two or three doors down from me. So if I was outside, like I would see him like walking towards the rack. I mean, he'd stop and talk to me. He's like, I'm going to play basketball, like whatever. And then I would always see him there. Like I have soccer on Tuesday nights. I would always see him playing basketball and we'd always like mess with each other. I mean, I basically, if he wasn't there, he was at home or at work. So I want to start in on the night in question. On the night in question, the things that we know for sure are that he tweeted at 11.17. He called somebody at 12.29 a.m. That's basically all we know. Everything else up until this point has been speculation. And like I say, my gut kept telling me, I want to find out facts. I want to speak to live human beings that had their eyes on him that night, that are friends with him, that know him and can vouch for what they believe he was or was not doing that night. So the night of February 12th, Wednesday night, who saw him at what time? Dakota, did you see him first because you were not at the particular party in question? No. Um, He came over and grabbed a table from my house. At what time? About? Uh, about 7.30. And I mean, we're being flat out, lay it out honest on the table tonight because nothing else matters now. We want to know exactly what happened, exactly what was going on. You guys are in college, okay? Moms and dads, either plug your ears or face the facts because this is college and good times are being had. <laughs> anyway, so he came over to get a table mm-hmm. to take back to his apartment or yeah. something? Well, it was his table. We had borrowed it. Okay, so he wanted it back. Yeah. So that's normal. That's not pretty scary. Mm-mm. So whenever you interacted with him, did you see him eye to eye that night when he came to get the table? Yeah. Did you feel like he was in his right mental capacity? Was he completely drunk? Was he whacked out on drugs? What do you feel like he was he when was, you saw him? He was fine. I mean, I, you, was he walking? Was he talking? Yeah, he was fine. So now Rachel and Rachel, you guys were actually at the party that night. The parties everybody's talking about. Oh, this big, crazy, wild thing. I mean, everybody's saying, oh, he texted Bloody Knuckles. He'd been in a fight. There must have been something bizarre and crazy going on that night. Is it right for me to believe that something wild and nuts happened at that party? No, (laughs) no. It was like your typical college party. We were all there hanging out. People were playing beer pong, drinking. I mean, there was music. It wasn't like nothing got out of hand. Nothing got out of control. It was just a party. It was just a house party. Well, and I know that there's been a discrepancy in, for instance, like the amount of people were there, which that means nothing to me. Would you say there were like 30, 40 people there or were there like 200 people there? Probably between 50 to 100. Yeah. There wasn't that many. I mean, the house is not that big and it wasn't filled. In general, were they familiar faces? Basically. For the most part. Mm -hmm. And was it somebody's birthday that night or a couple guys' birthday that night? Yeah, Yeah. there was two. 
is this a house like, hey, I live in this house? Or is this a house like, hey, this is like a party house or a frat house or what is it? And we're not going to give names. So don't panic if you were if it was your party. We're not here to condemn the party scene. We're not here to blast out names. We're not doing that. We're trying to figure out exactly what was going on that night with Praveen. We're trying to close the gap to find out what in the heck could have happened to him that we found him dead five or six days later after he went missing because it's just not making sense. My goal tonight is to speak with these girls who knew him, who loved him, who cared about him, and who are devastated about his death and try to help them get some answers too because it's just not making sense to them either. So we know that about seven or eight that night, he went to his friend Dakota's house, wanted his table back. Hey, give me my table back. She says that she had her eyes on him. He was coherent. He was walking. He was talking. To the best of your knowledge, He was not on any whacked out drug or extremely drunk? No, no. Because you've seen him drink or party. I mean, it's college. Yeah, I mean, he was was sober. Like, I'm pretty sure he wasn't drinking. He wasn't drunk. I mean. Just, hey, give me my table. Yeah, just like. Okay, so girls, what time do you remember to the best of your recollection getting to the party that evening? And did you go together? Yeah, we went together. Probably like nine. It was between nine and 930 because I remember at 10 you wanted to leave (laughs) so we had already been there for a little bit Rachel's ready to go in an hour she wanted to go (laughs) and it's hard because we aren't laughing and joking because it's funny or cute but I mean you have to remember these are these are kids I mean these are college kids they're just doing what college kids do and in the midst of one of their regular nights just like a hundred nights they'd had before one of their dear friends goes missing And turns up dead. And I've seen the tears from them. I've seen the hurt in their eyes. We're trying to piece this together. So you guys got there that evening about Mm nine-ish. And then your Rachel was ready to go about ten-ish. And she, what, you didn't leave? (laughs) No, we didn't leave. What time do you remember either of you girls that were at the party that night, to the best of your recollection, what time did you see Praveen roll in? Probably about half hour, maybe, after we got there. Because Ash and Nate had to work that night, so... They came pretty early, so they could leave pretty early. So, and I'm going to say Praven because that's how they know him. But I, but to the Indian community, I know it's Praveen, but for you know their benefit, they have always called him Praven. So Praven that night, you girls were there when he got there. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. we were there first. When he came, he came with Ash and Nate, his mm-hmm. roommates. Yeah, who both work at Sticks. Mm-hmm. Where was Where was Praven going to go that night after the party? To the best of your knowledge, to Sticks. Why? It was 80s night. Everyone goes to Sticks on 80s night. How often does he go to Sticks on Wednesday night? Every Wednesday, <laughs> yeah. every other. So often. you guys had pretty s- consistently. You guys had seen him. You guys had talked to him. You guys, to the best of your knowledge, they were all headed to Sticks. Yeah. Out of the three guys that were together that night, and those are his two guy best friends, right? Mm-hmm. Like never apart, ever, like brothers. It was funny because Kyle and then Rachel, Rachel and Dakota, they all came on. And even in their grief and shock, when I was like, so was, you know, there's narratives that Praveen was like dealing drugs. They were like, (laughs) they just died laughing. They're like, oh, no. And I was like, you know, anything terrible that could have happened to him happened to him. Praveen, we have his phone records. We have his phone. We have his bank accounts. We have his email. We have his Snapchat. We have everything. Praveen didn't sell drugs and Praveen didn't do drugs. The night Praveen went missing, he sent a text to a guy that worked at Sticks with Ashley about drugs. 
Can you imagine sending the one and only text you've ever sent about drugs and you end up getting killed that night? So it looks like you're a fucking drug dealer. Like it was just so terrible how it played out. It said, got some yay. And then it said, got two G or something like that. And so when Praveen came back in the house, because Rachel, Rachel Elby on my show testified, she said, I did coke that night. I wanted it, me and the birthday boys. Praveen called somebody about it. They didn't call him back. And Rachel Birdzell said, I stood and talked to Praveen when the handful of people that did the coke were upstairs doing the coke. Praveen wasn't doing coke. I mean, this girl's an engineer. These these are intelligent, educated, productive humans that have never wavered in 10 years. Praveen had been drunk before, drunk as a skunk, knockdown drunk. He couldn't drink Admiral Gold because their freshman year they got drunk on it. Yet in the report, Mike Kerr saying he was having several shots of Admiral Gold. Well, wait a minute. Praveen left us some beautiful clues behind. In a tweet that night, Praveen said, Admiral Gold, get the fuck out of here. Because Kyle brought some over and Praveen couldn't even stand the smell. He wasn't drinking it. So just so many things are so twisted. Police had made it seem as though Praveen's friends said he was drunk or on drugs. But that was not what his friends had actually stated to the police. And yet, there was another shocking development. The party that Gage was at that night actually took place at the home of someone Monica knew and had went to school with. And in the very beginning, everything was getting so blown out of proportion. And like all the girls were, when we first got the records, we were mortified because the handwritten statements, which were only from Ashley and Kyle, were like three sentences. We were with Praveen, he'd had a few beers. That's it. Well, the girls went in and interviewed and the police summarized what they'd heard. Well, they think there's more to the story. He might've been selling drugs, everything was suspicious. And then Dakota and all of them were crying when I showed them what the police had summarized. They're like, wait, no. Why would they say this? They were so worried about finding drugs. They didn't care about Praveen. Praveen didn't do drugs. He wasn't selling drugs. Like they were so adamant and so disheveled and so upset because of the summaries of what they had said, which nobody usually gets to go back and see, were nothing like what they experienced that night or what they felt like they conveyed to the police. That was one of the most disturbing things is the police had decided or sincerely felt they knew where this was going and they put it on that trolley on the track and ran it right on the track. They were not interested in anything else. And they had it all backwards. They never went to the house where Gage was that night to talk to him. And he's the number one Coke dealer in Carbondale. I've known him since I was a teen. I went to school with him. His name's Sean Isabel. He has what they call the dog house where Gage and his crew were partying. It is the number one Coke house in the tri-state area. And I waited two years before I messaged Sean and I saw the records. They had obtained a search warrant and never went. So when I talked to Sean, I was like, hey, and he goes, I wondered when you were gonna call me. And I said, what happened? He said, Monica, they never even came to my house. The cops didn't, and I'm not inviting him. Anyway, he did testify at the grand jury, Sean did. And then they arrested him when he went in for a warrant for something else, but he bailed out. You know, he's one of those guys you know, but you don't hang out with him. You just know on, you know, he's always been nice to me, but he said, um, I saw Praveen that night. He said, I think he was probably walking from point A to point B and just kind of stepped in ours to look around a minute. He goes, and Jonathan and Gage have been trying to break in cars that night. They wanted Coke. I went in front of any, and they probably just were going to roll them for his money. 
So what do you think happened that night? Jay jumped his ass on the street, 100%. He got the main beat down right there from 606 to the... Praveen would never randomly get in the vehicle and drive around for 30 minutes. Praveen walked everywhere. You could not get him in a car. And he would have been so scared at the first from Gage because he's so rageful. Praveen would have ran like Helen cried and Praveen was so quick and in shape. He could have ran like a gazelle and outran him. We asked Lovely what she thinks happened that night. Praveen had two sets of injuries with Margolis's report because one set of injury already started to show signs of healing. So that's why I believe Praveen was hit right in front of the house where Gage was because Praveen was walking to sticks and Gage was already looking for money. Um, He was, I think he was, did it like jiggling the car doors and everything um, to get some money from the doors that are parked, the cars that are parked there. Probably that's when he saw Praveen, attacked him there, put him in there. And that's probably where the video comes up, I believe, you know, that he picks up and... Because the first hit, Praveen has a hit here on the back of the head. Um, So he probably fell unconscious. If you listen to Gage's interview, he says uh, Praveen was on the phone for 30 minutes. Praveen was not on the phone. Praveen's phone was dead for 30 minutes uh, when he was with Gage. So that's probably the time he was unconscious. And when he came to it, he Praveen's phone had a pattern lock. He had to unlock the phone to make that call to Anita here, the girl in Chicago. So he said don't hang up to anita anita heard that 1229 is praveen's phone call 1233 is when the trooper pulled up so the 1229 he called anita and anita heard him say don't hang up and she heard a door shut and somebody running um So, you know, Praveen was known to make all these phone calls to call all his girlfriends and see if they are studying or not, and then he hangs up. So she thought it was like a prank call. She stayed on the phone for a little bit, and she hung up. And the state trooper pulled up at 12.33. That's when you see Gage come up from the woods. You can hear Gage's account of what he says occurred. This is from his initial interview with the police. And now um, I'm just trying to see when he was on the phone eventually, was he texting or was it like voice? Was he actually talking oh, to people? Oh, voice. Voice on my phone. Did you ever know? Did it sound like he ever successfully arranged for anything? Not successfully. Okay. Like but he was trying to, and that's why maybe we spent so much time and, mm-hmm. you know, just driving circles, mm-hmm. basically. Okay. You know, it's kind of, I started to get towards the end of Carpenter from mm-hmm. the college, wherever College Road's located. Mm-hmm. I'm not too sure where that's at. I made it all the way down by Buffalo Wildings, and he still had no clue where he was going. Okay. Um, was he, Were you guys talking at all during this, other than you trying to get the directions? No. Okay. No, no real conversation. Okay. Nothing really. 
So I understand that you're not very familiar with Carbondale streets and directions, sure. but just try to bear with me and, and try to guide us on the path you took. Um, so you you pulled out of the drive at College Street, yes. And then he said, uh, "Take your first right, correct?" Yes. That's and then you, did you? He didn't say first off, take your first right. I said, "Where do I go from here?" He said, "Right, real quick, go right." So I went right, and then I drove around pretty much by myself while he was trying to figure something out. Mm-hmm. Like where, you know, I don't know my way around there, but he didn't care at the time where we was going. Mm-hmm. He was just, I don't know if he was trying to get something and it didn't matter where mm-hmm. he was at. He figured I'd take him right back to that area. And I was ready to go. I drove my way mm-hmm. to, you know, the way I know out. Sure. So it's make that right. You go down by stoplights, you make the left. And it's kind of, I think you go by strip, mm-hmm. like El Greco's and stuff like that. I ended up going down by that, and I made my ride onto the main road again okay. to where I could shoot straight out, and we got kind of close. I, you know, he told me to turn back off on down another back mm-hmm. road. So we turned back off the main road, and that's when we was towards the end of Carbondale. So mm-hmm. I figured maybe he's got a place to go. Mm-hmm. No, we still drove around. Like I said, it's probably a thirty, at least a 30-minute thing driving around. Finally, we're at the edge of Carbondale. I said, dude, I got to go get out. Mm-hmm. He did not want to get out, so I was going to take him with me. You know, maybe my, maybe I could have somebody else help me get him out. Okay. Maybe I could drive to another town, stop at a gas station, go in and say, hey, this guy won't get out of my vehicle. He can mm-hmm. call the cops. Okay. But at the time, my phone was dead. You know, I had, I sure, I sure wasn't going to let him use my phone. I didn't know the mm-hmm. guy. I just was trying to get him where he needed to go. Because he seemed like a decent, clean person, like I said. Nobody that was going to harm me. Mm-hmm. Nobody that was going to have a gun and try to, you know, kill me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't wearing his hood, wasn't, you know, gangbang walk, none of that. So I, th- you know, thought he's a normal guy. Okay. At any time, did you guys, did you ever drop him off real quick anywhere? No, did sir. you stop anywhere? Okay. No, sir. Um, all right. Now, I want to kind of get back to the route you guys took. I'm kind of going to kind of tell you where I think you went, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, you took the first right. Um, do you remember if that was at a stoplight or a stop, stop sign? Stop sign. Stop sign? Stop sign. Okay. It may not have been my first shot from that driveway. Back, all right, I backed out, and I went, here's the house sitting right here. Mm-hmm. And I went this way, towards, say, Marion would be, mm-hmm. headed, headed home, okay. so that direction. And then at a stop sign, he said, go right. Mm-hmm. We went right at that stop sign. Now, I'm not going to be able to tell you every exact road mm-hmm. I turned on by no means, because like right. I said, I had some, you know, I did have stuff to drink. Mm-hmm. But I remember it clear, you know, clearly enough to tell you, I did go past El Greco's. I did hit the main road. I was determined to shoot straight out, and he said, hey, turn back off. So we turned back off again. And then I drove through, and we kind of went, you know, back behind mm-hmm. the mall, I believe it is. It's that long kind of road. Mm-hmm. Kind of takes you up, and we hit that stoplight right there. Stop mm-hmm. sign, then the stoplight. Mm-hmm. I told him at the stop sign, get out. He didn't want to get out. I said, all right, I'm headed home. Pulled through the stoplight. It's a red light. Sat there and made my ride. Mm-hmm. He I thought he was cool to ride with. I don't. I didn't know what was going on with the boy. Okay. When you made that, what you call the main road, I would call Route 13. Do you know Route 13, the main how east get, or west how road? How you get from Marion to? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So you drove on the strip past El Greco, and then you would have turned onto 13, had like heading back towards Marion. Yes. Okay. Uh, when you turned, when he had you make the the second right turn, like off the side road, you said, do you remember anything that you might have turned by or anything that was around when you turned? Just some houses. Really, it's just like, okay. we, I remember going back down these back, down the back roads, all I really see is houses. I mean, there wasn't no, 
you know, big things. Like I said, I remember being close mm-hmm. to the mall, remotely close to the mall, okay. and like those restaurant areas. Mm-hmm. That's all I can really tell you. I made a right where I could see McDonald's in my view mm-hmm. on my left, and I could see the whatever's up there on the right. I could see all that, and he said, go right. So I'd say maybe a quarter mile maybe from McDonald's, however far it takes to see McDonald's. You'll notice that Gage said he drove around with Praveen for around 30 minutes. Interestingly, 30 minutes seems to be the exact amount of time that Praveen was most likely unconscious after Gage attacked him on College Street and put him in his truck. The inactivity on Praveen's phone records proves that Praveen wasn't on his phone for that period of time. If he had been conscious and in distress, he would have used his phone to call for help, just as he did when he gained consciousness and called Anita. From 11.56 to 12.29, Praveen's phone is silent. Up until then, you can see if you on his phone record, he checked his voicemail, uh, he tweeted, he sent Facebook messages up until 11.56. From then on till 12.29, Nothing. That's the time that he was with, in the car with the gauge. So Praveen was knocked out. So this whole story of him talking about Praveen was looking for drugs and blah, blah, blah. It, you can just look at his phone record and say that, you know, there was nothing. So that, that's where I believe all happened. The second set of injury right then. Gage and Praveen were not at the same party, and they definitely weren't acquaintances, as they had been referred to by many people, including law enforcement. They never knew each other. That was the the whole story that the police chief put into everyone's head, recent acquaintance. When they did not give us a name of Gage, nothing. Monica gave us the name. So as soon as I got the name, I searched Praveen's front list. If you and Praveen see each other today and talk to him for a minute, tomorrow you will be his Facebook friend. So that did not happen. And I looked at all his friends. None of them were friends with Gage. Gage was not a college student. He came from 50 miles away. Um, So this was their first and last encounter. They were not at the same party. So they were, they were, there were many uh, miscommunications that were put out into the media saying that Praveen and Gage were friends. They were at the same party. No, they were, Praveen was at 6.06, Gage was at 4.05. Same street, but it, Gage was on Praveen's way to Sticks. They were at two different parties. So Praveen left. He was walking to Sticks. Gage was at four or five on the opposite side, couple blocks down. See, six or six and four or five, there has to be two blocks, right? So Gage was there. Monica was right. Amidst this horrific crime, some beautiful clues were left behind. Monica and Lovely had now learned that there was surveillance footage of Praveen walking from the party to Sticks. There was a video the, on the surveillance camera. There is a video that says um, a man wearing a red T-shirt walking. So you can't really see the face of Praveen, but there is a person walking. And then in another video is when that you see a man 
carrying another another person so it's all in the same street it's between four or five and sticks um i think there were monica will be able to ex- explain it to you exactly because i'm not familiar with those areas uh two cameras facing so um i think it's closer to sticks those cameras it's from some home rental place or something so their videos were the cameras were pretty old uh, but you can you can kind of see um shadows of you can figure out you know that it's uh, if the police could say a color of the shirt and everything you know so they were able to see it pretty well i know that that surveillance is him carrying him across the street and because of all the other rumors that we couldn't take to court but gage knows how bad he be his ass and i don't think gage is the only one